how good it is to worship the Lord together. Amen. Praise God. In the last two services, we uh, did a time for our children and we learned about Noah. We showed a video, we sang a little song, and I gave them all a little package with things uh, pertaining to the story of Noah. And uh, we had over 20 children that had come in the building today. Tonight, we only have two, and they're older. So I don't want to embarrass them, and I've already given them their package. We have Naomi with us and Josiah, and they're now like junior youth, right, Pastor Grant? So, uh, yeah, so we're not going to do our children's time, per se, tonight, but we will be highlighting our children every time we come, and we're going to do a different story with them every Sunday from the Bible. However, we did highlight as well uh, previously today, our babies that were here, and we do have little Sadie with us, Sadie Sims. I think you call her Sims. <laughs> I was at the porch saying Sims, Sims. <laughs> but uh, we do have Sadie with us, so I do have a book for Sadie. So I got to put my mask on if I'm leaving here. I don't have gloves, I did today. So you let the card me for that, is that okay? All right. <laughs> Here's a little book for her. Can we just give her another hand? We just want to highlight our children and thank our parents for bringing them because church is so important. And uh, I know it's different now. We have no children's church, but our boys and girls did so well today. Did they do well? And we were so proud of them. So uh, we want you to spread the word that we will be highlighting our boys and girls in our services.
and they went to the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled or murmured against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood or a piece of tree, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and law for them. There he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and camped there near the water. Our text verses are verse 23 and verse 24, which says, When they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Mara. So the people murmured or grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? The title of our message this evening is Stranded Passengers. Heavenly Father, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. We pray for unction, authority, and strength as we deliver the word of God. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Stranded passengers. I ask you all a question tonight. Have you ever been stranded? I'm sure there are not one of us in this service at some point in our lives have been stranded. Maybe we missed a flight, we missed a connector, we spent hours in an airport, or we've been stranded because of a storm, etc. But all of us at some point in our lives know what it is to be stranded. We have just gone through the anniversary of September the 11th as we have been remembering the plight of the Americans and others who found themselves on Newfoundland soil. Some of them stranded for days here in this province away from their families and their homes not knowing the uncertainties that lay ahead of them. So all of us knows what it is at times to be stranded. Some years ago, when my wife and I were attending Eastern Pentecostal Bible College in Peterborough, Ontario, one of my friends came to me one day and he said, how would you like to go home for March break? Of course, I wanted to go home for March break, but I didn't know it was a possibility. He said, well, I've got the credit card of one of our professors, who was also the chaplain of our school, and he's told us to go ahead and book a van, and we can pay it back when we get back. Now, I had no money, but I knew that when I, once I got home, my mother would give me enough money to cover the trip. So we made our way in a 15-passenger van, filled it up with 15 Bible College students with our luggage, made our way from Peterborough through Quebec, through the Maritimes, and then I walked in Mom's kitchen and almost gave her a heart attack. 
we had a few days home and then the time was to come to return to Peterborough. So I was possibly the last one that was picked up because my parents at that time were pastoring in Cornerbrook. So he, they picked me up at the parsonage. We made our way across the Gulf. But as we got into New Brunswick, we hit a vicious snowstorm. In that snowstorm, you couldn't see a hand in front of you. We didn't know what we were going to do. I don't know. I can't remember the years have passed. I don't know what the connection, but somebody knew somebody in Moncton that was Pentecostal. So they took the 15 of us into their home and they fed us, took care of us for a few days until the roads were opened again and we were able to get on our journey. We all know in the natural what it is to be stranded. We were late getting back to college, no, I didn't care too much about that, but we were stranded. But spiritually speaking, there are a lot of people that have been stranded passengers along their journey of life who need to understand that God is with us despite the circumstance of our lives or where we are. Bishop Philip Brooks said this. He said, as we live here on earth, we are in the school of life. And it is certain that we are both living and we are learning. Do not pray for easier lives, he says. Pray to be stronger, men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. These words delivered by the bishop are just as real today as when he said them. We have seen a changed world since March the 15th. Who would have ever thought that in moments our world would be plunged into a crisis and we would see an economic shutdown and a shutdown of the world's economies and governments. But that's where we are. We have found ourselves in a situation we did not create nor can we control. And some of us have been laid off. Others are without employment and don't have any future. And there are all kinds of uncertainties that lay before us. The Christian life today is a life that is worth living. For you and I, we can understand that in the midst of uncertainty, we have a certainty, and that is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He remains constant and does not change. Do I hear an amen to that? The children of Israel made their way through to the promised land. But they were stranded passengers. And can I say this when you're still loving me tonight? Some people are stranded passengers and it's their own fault. The children of Israel knew God and saw the miraculous power of God. But because of a critical and uncontrolled spirit and turning to evil, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness when they could have reached the land of milk and honey far earlier. Some of us need to look at our lives and we need to understand that the God of the mountain is still God in the valley. Do I hear an amen? Amen. You see, it is one thing for the Jews to stand by the Red Sea and sing joyfully the praises of God. It's quite something else to trust God in their daily wilderness walk. We can all shout when the Red Sea takes care of our enemies, but it's not so easy to shout when we're at the Mara bitterness. 
We have mentioned earlier, we've seen some of our families since the last time we met face difficult circumstances. But I remember John Goldie's words to me when I walked into his kitchen. He said, Pastor, and I said it at the funeral, I'll say it now. He said, Pastor, this is not good, but God is good. I remember visiting the Watkinses just after their tragedy. And what did John say? Pastor, this is terrible, but God was with us. I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't matter the circumstance of our life. God is constant. God is in charge. He fails not. And His mercies are new. Every morning we stand Praise on God. His word. Amen. Amen. You see, life is a school. And the painful experiences of life teach us some of the most important lessons that we can go through. But I want to remind you at the beginning of the message, and I forgot to start the timer, last service, the you're here till I finish. Amen. God bless you. You see, let us be watchful. After the victory as before the battle. Say it again. Let us be watchful after the victory just as much as before the battle. It's possible to win the battle, yet lose the victory. And I've seen a good many Pentecostals over the years. Sunday night, they were willing to take me out of chair and carry me out in the parking lot. They were that excited with the glory of God. But by Tuesday, they were ready to be my pallbearers. Have you ever met them? They knew what it was to get a Sunday glory. But by Tuesday, contrariness and carnal spirit had gripped their hearts just like the children of Israel. If there was anybody who should have had the joy of the Lord in their step, it ought to have been the children of Israel. God had just parted the Red Sea for them. God had just taken care of their enemies. But what do we see? They had lost the victory, though they won the battle. Oh, which is the children of Israel did as they left the Red Sea and marched towards Mount Sinai. Verse 8 from this portion of Scripture. I want to talk about timbrels and the Red Sea. If he, in Exodus chapter 15, Bible says that Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel or the tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphantly, gloriously, his horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Now, how many of you here got a Salvation Army background? Anybody? You of us. God bless you. Well, my father was a Salvation Army officer. I torment him, but I tell him, you can take the man out of the army, but you can't take the army out of the man, because he still loves the Salvation Army, and so do I. So my father, when I was younger, taught me how to play tambourine. So I got a tambourine one Christmas, just back. That was a big gift back then, but I got a tambourine. He taught me how to play. I would sit out in the front of Bayburn Church, the way Bayburn Church was set at that time, and you had the pews, then up in one corner, you had the eight or nine chairs where every guitar player had their own end. Remember those days? And was that loud? We couldn't. Every guitar player had their own amp. They had an electric accordion that also had an amp. Remember those days? We 
that much music, you could hardly hear yourself talk. I remember, that's where I started to play the tambourine. I used to sit up in the corner, and when the service get going good, I'd play the tambourine. I played it many years during our ministry. Service get going good, and I'd take up the tambourine, and I'd dance and praise the Lord. I said in one service today, I stopped playing because we got all these good players down, and I wouldn't be able to play a tune with them. But anyway, I remember the night. We had evangelist J.H. Welsh. Any of you remember him? He was in Big Bird for meeting, so I played my tambourine during the service. I was so excited. Service started going good. Down off the platform comes the evangelist and says, Young Jeffrey, give me a tambourine. Now, what was I supposed to do? I gave him the tambourine. He was no sitting on the platform. When I saw the symbol, the, the things going flying, and his knuckles went right through the tambourine. I wasn't very happy. So when I went home, Dan said, I'll take your tambourine, put it in my filing cabinet in the office. Now in Bayburn Church, the pastor's office was on the platform. Remember those churches? You had the long churches. One side was the pastor's office. Other side was to get down in the basement. Any of you remember those churches? Anyway, anyway, halfway through the service, it gets good. Pastor Wells comes down to where's your tambourine? Now I knew where the tambourine was, but I didn't want to give it to him. But I had to tell him because he would have kept asking me. If any of you know him, he would have kept asking. So finally I said, it's in the office in Dan's father's cabin. And he goes, grabs my tambourine, and what he didn't destroy the night before, he destroyed then, and I had to get a new tambourine. I know what it is to play the tambourine. I know what it is to rejoice in God. And I know what it is to be on the mountain when I can see the rider and my enemies being destroyed. There is no greater experience than to stand at the Red Sea and see everything God has promised He is able to perform and He does it by His power and by His might. Oh, as she begins to play, the inspired scene that unfolds before us is a wonder to behold. There could have been as many as half a million women playing tambourines and dancing before the Lord. I've been in the ministry 28 years. At every church I've always had a group grumble and everything was too loud. Well, just imagine if you were by the Red Sea. Imagine, man, 500,000 women singing and playing the tambourine. I got a funny feeling. It was quite the noise. And they stood by the Red Sea and began to praise and to bless God for what God had done. I'm sure the noise was heard for miles away as they praised and blessed the name of God for what He had done in their lives. What is more natural than singing songs of praise when God has wrought great deliverance after a time of deep oppression and a dark night of despair to realize suddenly the victory has come brings bellows of joy to the heart. And these people began to praise God because He was their deliverer. He had delivered them from their enemy. He had brought them out of bondage. He had given them a new relationship, a new hope, and was going to give them a new home. What a thought today that the rider has been destroyed in the sea. We recognize God was the hero of Israel. It was him that had taken down the armies of Egypt. And now they were rejoicing. Pentecostals, how many times have we rejoiced with our timbrels? Do you remember those days? Do you remember when God answered your prayers? He brought in that wayward child. He healed that disease. He mended that marriage. He brought finances into your home when there was no finances. And oh, we stood and we played our tambourines 
by the Red Sea and we shout and praise to God. Praise. Recognizing what God has done was a clear song of praise. They recognized Him as the gloriness of God made manifest in their midst. You see, they had been in a great and alarming danger. There had been danger as they were encompassed by the Red Sea. Water was before them, mountains on either side of them, and the Egyptians coming behind them. They had, humanly speaking, no way of escape. But at the right moment, in the right time, at the right place, God moved in. You see, God is never late. God is always on time. And I'm going to tell you today that there is one thing that remains constant, and that is our God. If you can't shout amen now, you'll never shout. Our God is always constant. He remains the same today, and He amen. is constant. All oh, the people of God, praise the Lord. They shouted the praises of God. But I want to move to our second point this evening. This is where a lot of Pentecostals find themselves. We have the temples at the Red Sea. We're shouting the praises of God. There's been a spiritual victory. There's been an answer to prayer. The manifest power of God has seen real in our lives. Now listen to what the psalmist writes. He says, and the waters covered their enemies. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Do you see how easy it is to forget God? Do you see how easy it is to forget what God has done in our lives? If there are any people in Deer Lake that ought to be praising God in His Pentecostal people in Emmanuel Pentecostal Church, Amen. has God met our needs? Has God met our provider? Amen. He has. Amen. Over and over again. Three days. They are in the wilderness. Now things begin to change. And they begin to murmur. And complain. Now I know nobody in Deer Lake has ever complained. God bless you. But guess what? We have all complained. I said earlier today. I was never one to complain much. I was usually pretty content and, and didn't complain much. Since March the 15th, I'm sure there's days my wife wouldn't like to put me out with the garbage. I gotta tell you, I have grumbled and complained more since March than I did in all my life. Until a while ago, I had to realize and almost, almost had to confess my sins to God to forgive me because we know that complaining is a sin. And I had to say, Lord, all I do, you know what complaining does? It doesn't help us, does it? After a while, I realized I'm complaining over something I can't control, nor did I cause. I've just got to trust to a God who knows the beginning from the end. He has his hand on my life. He has a call upon my life. And he who call will be faithful in the midst of my life experiences, Amen. whether I'm at the Red Sea or I'm at Marah. You see, it wasn't easy for them to carry the burden of freedom. And God had to teach them how to live one day at a time. Our great victory, our one great victory rather, doesn't settle everything. One great victory doesn't settle everything. We need challenging new experiences that will help us mature and glorify God. 
we go through this life, we are disciples and we ought to be growing disciples. Evangelist Don Brinkle, you've heard me tell the story. He said one time, he said, I've got no problem. He said, giving the new believers or babies milk. But he said, I got great problems when I got the part of the whiskers to put the bottle in. <laughs> well, there are a lot of us who have been saved 30 years, but we're only saved one year 30 times over. We become mature believers as we grow in God. And the presence of God helps us in our marrow. And this community says they're just as content in God when marrow knocks on their door as when they're by the Red Sea. That's the greatest testimony to any community. Right. You see, they had just come from a revival service. The music was loud. The singing was great. There was even dancing. But now they had three days with no water, and it doesn't take long to forget what God has done. We have all time have all had times of bitterness, and we will all have times of testing in our lives. And you say, Pastor, I've got faith. Good for you. But guess what? You're in a fallen world. And all the word faith preachers, I don't know where they've been the last few days. Some of them gave, gave great prophecies, never got in hiding. Hear me. We are going to have difficult days. But guess what? I have the promises of the word of God, which says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We stand on the word of God and we believe his promises. There are times things happen in my life I wish they didn't happen. But do you know what? There has been no experience in my life that I cannot look back and say that I have not seen the hand of God. Even in times when I've had to pray and say, Lord, I can't make it any longer. God has come into my marrow experience and he has given me a sweet sense of the presence of God in the midst of the bitterness that is all around me. Oh, it's so easy to see a single day in the wilderness without water would be tolerable. Two days would be difficult, but three days would be impossible, especially for children and animals. And then to be disappointed by finding bitter water would only make the situation worse. What did they do instead of saying if God could part the Red Sea and God who took care of our enemies will take care of us again? No, they said, what are you going to give us to drink? There's one scripture that they even say, I would rather be back in Egypt and have the garlic than to have what we have right now. It's so easy to forget God. Listen, I know you have all, me included, gone through some difficult times since March of 15. Some of us have struggled with our mental health. Some of us have been laid off. Some of us have lost finances. Some of us have had difficult circumstances come into our life. Hear this preacher today. The God of yesterday is the God of today. And the God of today is the God of tomorrow. And the promises of God are yes and amen. They're sure. They're decided. And no man can change them. That's the facts of the matter today. As I said a few minutes ago. Complaining don't solve problems. And if we try to run back from a difficult situation back to Egypt like they wanted to go, we'll meet the same problems in the new place and still have to solve them. Pastor A.S. Percy, any of you remember him? He was our general superintendent but also district superintendent. So one of our pastors called Pastor Percy many years ago and he was having problems with a lady that he called Aunt Susan in the church. And he said, I need to have a new church. 
He said, because Aunt Susie, I can't please her. I can't do anything right. And he said, I can't take it anymore. I want a new church where Aunt Susie is not. And that was the day when women wore hats. And if you remember those days, Pastor Percy said to Brother Brother, you're staying where you are. He said, no, I can't take it. I got to leave. He said, you're staying where you are. He said, I can't take it. Well, he said, I got news for you. There's an Aunt Susie in the next church. She just wears a different color hat. <laughs> Hear me now. There are always going to be people. There are always going to be circumstances. But this I know. Even in my Mara experience, I can sense the presence of God. I told him earlier today, you know what complaining does? It doesn't help us one bit. It'll only drive your blood pressure off. That's all it'll do. That's all it will do is drive your blood pressure. Uh, I told this story before. The board member is with us tonight. I told the story twice already. But some time ago after this pandemic had been going on for a while, I came to my office one day to prepare for the online Bible study. And as I began to prepare, I felt an overwhelming feeling of despair over me. And I was thinking, Lord, I can't keep doing this. Churches closed. I'm having to go online to do preaching and Bible studies and be scrutinized by everybody. I can't keep in contact with my congregation. I can't visit the hospital. There were funerals. My first one, I married a 39-year-old mother with only nine mourners in this building and me. Then the next funeral, I had to go to the funeral with four mourners and me. And I had to be a pallbearer. And I said, Lord, I can't keep doing this. I can't take it. I just can't do it. So I talked to this board member. He asked me how I was, and I said, well, there's a bit of a loaded question. And then I told him how I was feeling, and he responded, he kindly rebuked me, like no he did, but he did very kindly, and he said, Pastor, don't you think that God knew you would be the pastor of Emmanuel Pentecostal Church in 2020 when we would walk through a pandemic? Don't you think God knew when he put it on the hearts of the board of deacons that you would be the next pastor for EPC? He said, don't you think that God knew when he told you you were finished in Port of Grey and you're moving to Deer Lake, that God knew you were going to be in Deer Lake in 2020 to bring this church through the pandemic? Well, he rebuked me that day. And when I got out the phone, I realized, I said, Lord, I'm all upset. You knew this before I came here. And you know my today and my tomorrow. I'm confident today that God who began the work is the God that will finish the work to the completion of Jesus Christ in our lives. We stand on the written eternal word of God. You see, this was a spiritual problem they had. They remembered the food in Egypt, but forgot the wonders of God. Here they are at Marah. They remember the food of Egypt, but they forget the wonders of God. What a thought for all of us today. Moses prayed, the Lord showed him a tree, told him to throw it into the water. There will always be aid from heaven in our bitter experiences if we trust in the Lord and seek the advice of the Lord even in the bitter waters at Marah. Thirdly, Moses who writes this scripture tells us not only were there timbrels at the Red Sea, not only was this a time at Marah, this bitterness that they found themselves in, but then he says... There is springs and palm trees at Elam. Exodus chapter 15 verse 27. And they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. 
had they encamped there near the water. Well, this was a five-star resort, all-inclusive. Elam was seven miles south of Mara, but God was bringing them from bitterness into the blessings of God. Whatever the season is in your life at this moment, let me tell you to believe in faith in God that He's going to bring you from Mara into Elam. Well, we all know what all-inclusive is. Some years ago, we pastored in Bishop Falls. The church board sent our family to Florida. It was the first time we had ever gone. And I remember being excited, didn't know much about it. We arrived, went to the resort, and the board secretary booked us in. I didn't understand it all then. When I got there, I realized it was all-inclusive. Realized I could eat whatever I wanted to eat. And you see those buffets? Well, I thought I was almost in heaven. Then I realized not only could there be all I could eat, then the, then the dessert buffets came out. I said, praise the Lord. This is wonderful. <laughs> well, what a time we had. Of course, they had us booked it for the different theme parks, and we took our boys. Boys were 10. So I remember Joel saying, Daddy, what do you want this roller coaster? It was the largest roller coaster, I believe. Anyway, I said, okay, I'll go with you. So we went. Now, I was a bit nervous when I got on, but I got on the roller coaster. And uh, sat in, only could be two. So we sat in, and I braced myself. She made a few turns and dips. I said, that's not too bad. Then all of a sudden, she goes, run up. Well, I said, not too bad. I'll brace myself now for going down. Then all of a sudden, I realized she ain't going down. She's going backwards. <laughs> And when she started to go backwards, I barred my eyes tight as I could, and Joel started screaming, excited screaming. I said, shut up, shut up, shut up, don't say one word to me, not one word, because I was ready to die. At that moment, I said, Lord, I promise you, if you get me on this ride, I'll never get out another one. Anyway, I finally got out. woman behind me was sick. So her husband was helping her off, and he said, she's sick. Yes, I said, I, I feel sick too. Yes, I said, even your hair is sticking out. Of course, Joel laughed at that. And I was staggering across. You all know there's a nice distance as you have to walk and from, from where you get out and where people are waiting. So my wife and my other son was waiting for me. And I, I was walking, you know. And I was saying, oh, Lord, please, Lord, tell him, don't let him say he wants to go back on that road. I just can't do it, Lord, please. So anyway, I started going. And I, I'm sure he must have seen how I was. Because I would have got on the ride with him. I might have come back in the body bag, but I would have got on the ride. So I walked over and I said to him, Joshua, my love, do you want to go on the ride? And he said, I don't think so, Dad. And I started to praise God in my heart. I was that excited, didn't know what to do. I went over and lived in on the bench, stayed there for half an hour. She took the boy somewhere else. And by that time, I got over. So even though it was a five-star resort, there weren't all good things going on there. But I want to tell you, when I get into the resort and the blessings of God and the Elam Springs, there's no worries. Everything is all-inclusive. Everything is wonderful. Everything is beautiful because it comes from the hand of God and we have absolutely nothing to fear or to worry about. Matter of fact, can I tell you, those of us that are worried is not going to help you want it. How do you know that, Pastor? Jesus told me. Jesus said, you who worry can't add nothing to your life. Jesus says, worry is ineffective. Worry is not going to help us. We need to step out of worry and fear to faith in God and say, I stand on his word. I live in his word. I read his word. I talk his word. I know his word. And it leads 
us unto eternal life. You see, the place was perfect. If they did not pass through Marah, they would never have experienced Elam. Our boys almost died, as many of you know. And while that was a difficult circumstance and the darkest hour of my life, there are days now I thank God I went through it. Now don't that sound bad? Do you know why? Because I've had to walk into other people's lives when the doctor said there's no hope. I've had to walk into people's marriages when they said the divorce is coming. And I've been able to walk in and say, I'm here with a message from the Lord for you today. I've been where you've been. I've been where there was darkness all around me. I've been where there was no hope for tomorrow. But I see Jesus, the fourth man, step into it. And I see you, you and touch my son's lives. And today, God's blessing. We used to pray when, we were, when they were younger, they didn't eat. We used to pray, oh God, we want them to eat. We tried everything and they wouldn't eat. And when they, when they got 13, I prayed, oh God, stop eating. I can't afford the bills. <laughs> Do you hear me? God not only does it good, God abundantly gives us everything that has been promised to us today. The number 7 and the number 12 in the mind of the children of Israel symbolizes perfection. God had a perfect plan for their lives. You see, the Lord tests us to encourage spiritual growth and bring out the best in us. But the devil tempts us to bring out the worst in us and to encourage spiritual immaturity. The attitude that we take towards our difficulties determines which direction life will take. But we are going to take the right road because He will lead us into the blessings of God. Can I say this? Some of us are thinking too negatively. I do know one would share amen to that one. Some of us are living in a defeated attitude. We are thinking in our mind, we won't make it. Well, guess what? You won't make it. Still love that. We need to live by faith and not by sight. We need to stop talking negative and start talking positive. How do I know? Because the whole gospel that I preach is a positive gospel. He has come to preach healing to the brokenhearted. He has come to bring a message to the lame and the blind and the diseased and the tormented. He has come with a gospel that will bring life to the dead and will bring deliverance to the captives. Oh, today, Elam is a sweet foretaste of all the blessings of eternity that God gives us. Our Lord knows how to balance the experiences of life. Here at Elam, there would be both refreshing and rest. There was a foreshadowing of what was to come in the land of Canaan, the land of promise, flowing with milk and with honey. As we bring it to a close in our musicians, it can return. You see, we have been at the Red Sea. When things couldn't get any better. Any of you been there? You were so high on the mountain that you were at your spiritual peak. There was no greater experience you could ever receive than where you were. We have danced and sang and worshipped God. But like the children of Israel a short while after, we have found ourselves in the bitter waters of Marah. Things haven't gone like they should have gone. Our parents are still not saved. Our siblings are still not saved. Our children are wayward. There are questions in our lives. There are uncertainties, and we say, oh God, oh God, why? 
Why are we on these bitter waters of Marah? Why are we here? But I want to show you that even in the midst of this pandemic, God is working. Do I hear an amen? Amen. This world has come to realize there is no hope. There is no hope in the medical world. There is no hope in the economic world. There's certainly no hope in the financial institutions of our world. There's no hope in our health organizations. And the world is realizing where we have placed all of our trust is transcendence. And many who one time didn't want to talk about God are not talking about Him. Some of you may have seen my Facebook post yesterday or the day before. Many of you have heard my heart over the years. I've been your pastor. Sean was here. Him and my brother were good friends many years ago. My brother attended Bible school, became very bitter against God. I couldn't talk to him about spiritual things. But I kept praying, and in the assemblies that I've pastored, I've always had a group of people that I prayed for them, for their families, but they also prayed for mine. Last week, I opened up my Facebook to see my brother telling of how mind went back too many years ago when he would hear the song and he said come to the waters stand by my side I know you are thirsty you won't be denied as I began to listen to him I not only love the words of that I don't know who wrote it but whoever did beautiful words but what touched me even more than the words he was singing as I saw the Spirit of God touching his heart and speaking into his life in that moment, I said, Lord, even though we've gone through some narrow experiences, and I've wondered, oh God, what are you going to bring to me and how are you going to bring him back? What's going to happen to bring him to a realization that he needs God? Here in the midst of a pandemic, he's come to realize the only thing I've got is the way I was raised and what I heard when I grew up, and he's turning back to that way. Well, I've listened to it dozens of times. Every time my eyes fill up with tears, and I read the comments from Baber, especially where I was there till I was 15, he was there till he was 10. The folk from Baber coming in and making comments, and then I watched the people from all the congregations I've pastored, Port of Grave and Bishops and Virtue Men, who've heard my heart over the years, coming in, and I said, you know what? Even though I was 10 years in Virtue Bay, 8 years in Port of Grey, gave my soul to them, I'm left and they're still praying for my brother. And it brought a renewed sense to me that I'm on my way to Elam. God has not forsaken my family and He has not forsaken your family. We may not be where we want to be at this moment, but God is making the water sweet and He's bringing where there is a refreshing and there is a revival in our hearts. Amen. Hearts today may be broken over certain situations, but I want to show you that God withholds nothing good from His children. And I stand on the promises of God today. We're going to sing, I need Him. I need Him. Do you need Him today?
Pastor Jared begins to lead us, would you like to stand? And if that's where you feel tonight, I want you to lift your hands to heaven as a testimony. I need you, Lord. I need you. And you don't need to be a stranded passenger. You can come into the blessings of God. Let's see it.
That's it, that's the rules, right? They get to obey the rules. Yeah. <coughs> mm. yeah, Night. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right, yeah, that's right. Yes, that's right, they got to follow the guidelines, yeah. Right down there. What? What is? Which one is mine? That one there, yeah. It's not mine there, is it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad we got out, so. register for next Sunday. What? That means we can't register. No, he said Tuesday you can't, but tomorrow I'm going to leave it for, uh, Oh. you know, but Tuesday. Tuesday. for the prayer meeting. No, you can register Tuesday for the prayer meeting, and you register Tuesday for for the next Sunday. Okay. Can you catch that? Yeah, we got no, wait, Monday is for the first ones that never got in. Look down that way, Marie, and see. Wait, now give me a chance for to put on my seatbelt and everything. Yeah, I will. Oh, okay. There's a Milton Tim seat coming in there, isn't there? Oh, Howard. Yeah. I think they'd be here next time. Or next time. I saw the air. So I got my doubts. Oh, yeah, they would have been there earlier at their site, probably would have been 7 o'clock. Yeah,
jacuzzi. Oh, you gotta wait. I didn't hear any noise that way. I looked down that way, something coming there. Yes, the sky is coming. <clears throat> well, all clear this way, yes. All to be like thee. All to be like thee. I should have took my other coat to be able to change over soon to get put in the car. Ah, don't so foolish. What? Now it's like that. People in too holy. You going to the store with your Sunday's clothes on. Don't Just think it looks too holy looking, alright? No, don't either. Go <laughs> oh, crazy. No, okay. We'll go in there with our head up high. Proud to be a Christian. I'm proud to be a Christian, serving the Lord. Don't show it then when you go ask Gwyn and Tim's. Well, yeah, why? You ask Gwyn take off your Sunday's jacket. Well, I don't know, am I? I'm going to go in like this if you want to go in. Just see if you can see Buddy's car there. I doubt she's there now. He was there, I guess, and got home. Besides that, whoever is there now, they're going to be filled up, I'd say. No, no they're not there. They're going home? I guess so. Yes, as well, yeah. You may have a message on the phone. <laughs> Unlikely. Let's go on, let's go on, talking about that good old way. Let's go on, let's go on, talking about the Lord. I feel so much better talking about this good old way. <coughs> Strange when you can't go up around the platform and pray. <laughs> you miss it that, eh? Hardly oh, everybody had the mask on, I suppose you should be able to. No, not in it. No one's not going to put the mask on for that, sir. No, that's right, that's too strange. No lights on. Okay, we'll just stop right here for now. Do it. If I had that thing with me, I could have put it in the car now. In the van. When it comes out tomorrow, to go in the car, I'll put that in the van on the way out. Right? Okay.
didn't know, but there's a place in the back. Uh-huh. Place in the back, bring your tides in. No? I know you put that in there in the, in the weekday too. Now he brings it to the office in the weekdays, I guess. Okay. I think we should take $40 out and put it in that office and $40 to the church. You paid the office already once, didn't you? Yeah, but we got more money I didn't pay now. my tides yet. Well, you so can you pay some. So you I'm paying more for you. They're not paying more for you. No, I'm just saying where, where we had more money. Now, I can't get that phone. I didn't turn off that buddy. Well, you better turn it off then. I don't know how to turn it off. I don't know what's wrong with it. Okay, look. Now, recording is still on. I did already. I put it up. Now, hold. Up, up. I got it up already. I turned it up. Now, turn off record. I don't know. Press down on it. I don't know what's wrong with it. It won't go off. Right now. Come here, let me see it. Right here? 